Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined us. I want to tell you about our annual Freedom Banquet that's coming up June 22nd. That's Thursday night, June 22nd. Uh, 6 p.m. is the reception, 7 o'clock is the dinner. We will be at the Akron Fairlawn Hilton. Uh, You can purchase tickets at our website at ohioca.org. We're going to have a great evening that night. Uh, In fact, State Treasurer Robert Sprague is going to be with us, Uh, State Representative Melanie Miller and State Representative Brian Stewart, who's with us on the phone now. We're going to talk in just a minute about the 60% constitutional amendment increase. And, of course, all eyes are on August 8th, which is the special election, and we're going to be talking about that the next 30 minutes. But, again, we want you to come out to the Freedom Banquet. It's a great night of patriotism and encouragement, and you can register on our website at ohioca.org. And more details will be forthcoming about the Ohio Christian Alliance Annual Freedom Banquet. Again, Thursday, June 22nd at the Akron Fairlawn Hilton. Well, without any further ado, let's go to our speaker, who is State Representative Brian Stewart. He was the sponsor of HJR1, which was the amendment increase proposal that would raise the constitutional amendment passage to 60%. And HJR1 would put it on the ballot for the people of Ohio to decide whether we want to raise the threshold to safeguard our Constitution. Over the years, we have seen a lot of really ridiculous proposals. Anyone with a big checkbook come into Ohio and basically put something on the ballot, and it it just doesn't pass a law in Ohio if it's 50%. Uh, It actually amends the the state constitution. Okay, so that's kind of a big deal. And uh, so we've even had some ridiculous things, and our our guest is going to talk about that. Uh, but we're going to have an opportunity to rectify all that on August 8th in a special election, and it's n- issue number one. We're going to talk about that. Issue number one, the Ohio Christian Alliance is urging a yes vote on issue one that will raise the constitutional amendment passage increase to 60%. It currently is just 50%, but we want to raise that to 60%, and uh, with your help, we'll do that. Well, with me on the phone is Brian Stewart. Brian, welcome to the program. I appreciate it, Chris. Great to be here, and uh, thanks for all your work. Well, thank you for all that you did this spring in working this through the legislature. It was not an easy go at all. Uh, In fact, you had begun this process last year, and then the session closed without the legislature making a determination about uh, raising the constitutional amendment passage to 60%. Uh, and so we had to deal with it this year. There's an abortion ballot measure that's being threatened for the November ballot as Planned Parenthood, radical abortion interests are coming into our state. Ohio's their next target. Uh, they just left the state of Michigan in disarray and really in a terrible way. Uh, in fact, it's abortion legal to the ninth month of pregnancy now in the state of Michigan. They want to do the same here in Ohio. Uh, that's way too radical for this state. But uh, we're going to have to put a firewall uh, up as to a 60% threshold uh, so these folks can't easily do that. Your thoughts? Well, you know, this is something that we've been debating in Ohio literally for decades, Chris. I mean, uh, this, this 
this is getting a lot of attention over some of those, you know, ballot issues in 2023, but really this is something that we've been talking about for decades. Um, we have increasingly seen our constitution here in Ohio be used as a policymaking document, as a, a way to sort of sidestep the legislature and, you know, basically enshrine in the constitution permanently, you know, some pretty basic public policy debates that, that frankly should be debated in the General Assembly and should be subject to change and revision over time. You know, if we get something wrong in the law, we can change it. Uh, if we get something wrong in the Constitution, we're generally stuck with it. And, you know, so this has been going on with regards to, you know, writing casino parcel numbers into the Constitution. We've had attempts to write, uh, you know, marijuana cartels uh, into the Constitution. We have animal livestock care standards in the state constitution. We have soda pop tax, uh, you know, policy in the state constitution. Uh, you know, some of these things are, are, are policies I may even, you know, be okay with, but the point is they, they should be in law, not locked away in the constitution, kind of locked away from public debate. And so, you know, this is something I've wanted to do personally for for more than a decade, and uh, in my first term, got to uh, got to start got to start working on it during lame duck session. At the time we started this, there was no abortion amendment, there was no you know other amendments that were in the works. But obviously, you know, in the interim, those things have have, have kind of reared their head. And so, um, you know, what I've said is, if you you know everybody. Uh, certainly entitled to, to to be for this or against this based on whatever issue uh, they choose, but it really affects all amendments. And even if you're okay with, you know, one amendment in 2023, uh, chances are there's going to be three or four more coming down the pike that you're going to have real problems with. So we think this is something that uh, all Ohioans should be, should be very open to. We live under a federal constitution that is protected in this way. We think that the state constitution should have a similar protection. We're talking with State Representative Brian Stewart. He worked uh, really in a major way on this to get it passed through the General Assembly. It ended up being ASJR2, which is basically its companion in the Senate, that came over to the House. Representative Stewart represents the 12th uh, state district. Uh, Representative, when... um, of, of course, we're all relieved that this got through the House, but it, it was a vigorous debate uh, in and of itself to get it to the floor and to for a vote. And it, it took 60 votes. It ended up getting 62 votes for passage in the House and then uh, two-thirds in the Senate. Uh, the governor doesn't have to sign it. It will place it on the August 8th ballot. It's issue number one. The ballot board just completed its work, and we'll go over this language but uh, just your thoughts about the process of how this worked this spring. It was quite a battle, wasn't it? It has been. We, uh, you know, I introduced it during lame duck session. You know, Secretary Frank Lores and I originally proposed this idea during lame duck at the last General Assembly. Uh, you know, we, we never, we, we very rarely had 60 Republicans even in the building during that lame duck session. And, and obviously you needed 60 votes to pass. So it didn't happen. We had a, we had a plan to, uh, bring it back immediately. Uh, I've been working with, uh, you know, Representative Derek Marin, who had been, uh, you know, selected to be our our speaker, and we had put together a calendar so that we could potentially uh, get this passed in January and get it on the May ballot. Uh, but you know, for 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 a whole handful of reasons, that didn't happen either. 
And so at that point, it was sort of in limbo of, of, of what uh, what was going to come of this. And then, um, you know, the, the Senate introduced a, a an idea for an August special election, and uh, that sort of breathed new life into into the legislation. And thankfully, then we were we kind of had a path forward that you know most uh, that, that could get to sixty plus votes. And at that point, it was really a, a focus of winning everybody we could. Uh, you know, we, we did have some difficulty with, with, you know, some members and, um, but, uh, you know, 60, 60 votes is a high bar to get in any situation. Uh, it's an extra heavy lift when you're talking about kind of foundational issues here, like the constitution, but I'm glad that, you know, within our caucus, the arguments that we've been making for the last six months, uh, were well received. So reading the uh, proposed amendment, um, and again, this is uh, the approved language by the ballot board, and we did watch the proceedings before the ballot uh, board, uh, which uh, then a majority of the board did approve the amendment language. Um, And, uh, of course, the summary languages will have to be written by those for and against the issue that would have to be submitted to the Secretary of State's office. I think that deadline was yesterday, was it not, Brian? It is, and we've done that. Actually, uh, myself and uh, Senator Rob McCauley, we we drafted with our um, you know able able staff here in the, our, our respective caucuses together. It was a team effort put together the the yes on issue one uh, ballot arguments, which Ohioans will see when they go into the ballot box, and it was uh, a real privilege to be a part of that. So it says issue one proposed constitutional amendment elevating the standards to qualify for and to pass any constitutional amendment proposed by joint resolution of the General Assembly. This is how it will read on the ballot. To amend Section 1B, 1E, and 1G of Article 2 and Sections 1 and 3 of Article... uh, Which number is that? Looking at Roman numerals here. I think that's 16. Article 16 of the Constitution of, of the State of Ohio. A majority yes vote is necessary for the amendment to pass. It says, the proposed amendment would require that any proposed amendment to the Constitution of the State of Ohio receive the approval of at least 60% of eligible voters voting on the proposed amendment. It would also require that any initiative petition filed on or after January 1, 2024 with the Secretary of State proposing to amend the Constitution of the State of Ohio be signed by at least 5% of the eligible voters of each county in the state. Also specified that additional signatures may not be added to any initiative petition filed with the Secretary of State on or after January 1, 2024, proposed to amend the Constitution of the State of Ohio. If passed, the amendment shall be effective immediately. It is a yes or no proposition. So, Representative, as I'm looking at here January 1, 2024, when would this go into effect in the event that the the voters do approve it on August 8th, issue 1? When will it go into effect? So the requirement that all future constitutional amendments get at least 60% of the vote to become effective, that would take effect immediately and that would therefore be effective for any constitutional amendments that are on the ballot in November of 2023. Okay? Now, the language about January 2024, that speaks only to the requirements regarding ballot access. 
right? And so what, what that is meant to say is that any, any constitutional amendments that are presently circulating or presently going through the process to get on the ballot, they could potentially get on the ballot for, you know, this November 2023 or, or, uh, or, or the following year uh, using the existing standards. So we're just we're just making clear that we're not changing the rules on ballot access for anyone who is currently going through that process. But for anybody that starts that process after uh, January twenty first, January first, twenty twenty four, they would then have to get signatures from all eighty eight counties, and they would not have that uh, you know what I call the the second bite at the apple uh, when they fail to make the ballot, which uh, is referred to as a cure period. That would be eliminated as well. So there are, uh, to my knowledge, two proposed um, ballot initiatives that are circulating for petition. One is for the uh, raising the state minimum wage, and the other is for abortion on demand uh, with uh, pro-choice Ohio is what they call themselves, but it's literally abortion on demand to the ninth month. They're circulating a petition. So this would be an effect for them if in the event that they secure enough signatures by July 5th, to be approved for the November ballot, they would have to, if the August 8th issue is passed, have to get over 60% for approval. Is that your understanding? That is correct. So uh, then any future draw of petitions from the Secretary of State to to start the process would be under the additional obligations of having to secure at least 5% in all of Ohio's 88 counties, and that there wouldn't be what was called a curing period. In other words, you submit your signatures, you're short, they allow you to go out into, uh, to secure additional signatures by 10 days. That, that would no longer be in effect. Is that right? That is right. That's okay. Right. All right. So, you know, it's funny. Uh, so we saw some antics, uh, on the House floor when this passed, of course, by yeah. some people on the political left side of the aisle. And uh, they were actually demonstrating, which was really weird to see state representatives. I mean, why demonstrate? You already have the microphone, you have the floor uh, when you're recognized by the speaker, and a number of them did speak. So after the vote carried, uh, the, the gallery had to be cleared because there were some raucous people in the gallery, not all, because some of our people were there and being polite and uh, dutiful and uh, as good citizens listening uh, to the proceedings. Uh, but there were some others who were not and making some noise. And so the, the speaker rightfully had to clear the gallery because it was disrupting the proceedings. Uh, then after the vote carried, there was a number of Democrats that went down to the floor with signs in their hands like they were protesters, which was really weird to see. Uh, but they were saying, hey, one person, one vote. And, of course, this doesn't do anything that doesn't say that. Of course, there's one person, one vote. I'd like to see more of them practice that. I do have my suspicions at times. But here's what's interesting. A post that came up, and someone actually looked at the Democratic Party of Ohio's Constitution, and it has Section 1, Section 2, and it reads the following, Article 4. This Constitution may be amended by 60% of the delegates to to any convention. Uh, and so it's like, it, isn't that a little ironic that they're against the 60% for our state Constitution, yet their party Constitution requires a 60% passage to amend any of their uh, 
state Democratic Party constitution? Your thoughts to that, Representative? Oh, it's incredible, and it's 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 hypocritical. And and frankly, we've seen a lot of that throughout the committee process as we've listened to opponents uh, come in on the bill. You know, we had uh, you know. AFL-CIO, League of Women Voters, SEIU, um, the uh, Ohio Federation of Teachers, all these organizations came in and and had kind of the same talking points, that, that requiring a 60% you know, vote margin for approval of constitutional amendments is, you know, quote unquote, you know, undemocratic and unfair, and, you know, all these different, all, all this different hyperbole. And so during the committee hearings, I was actually pulling up their constitutions in real time and asking them, you know, League of Women Voters. Why? Why? You know, why does the National League of Women Voters require? Uh, I think it's almost a seventy percent vote threshold uh, to change their own bylaws. Uh, Federation of Teachers, seventy percent, sixty-six percent, sixty percent, over and over and over again. And so I said it's, it's essentially sixty percent for for me, but not for thee. And yeah, you know, there is uh, obviously there's some differences between you know a a union's constitution and and the state constitution, but the principle is the same, which is these organizations all understand in their own daily working that your constitution, your governing document, should be subject to something more than a slim bare majority to be turned on its head, right? The constitution is supposed to be constant. It's supposed to be predictable. It's supposed to provide a framework that is relatively steady and is not subject to just this this constant tinkering. And so all of these opponents understand that in their own organizations, uh, they certainly, you know, they don't seem to believe that that's undemocratic, uh, you know, as they run their own operations, but that suddenly 60% is, is uh, you know, uncalled for in, in another context. And, and Chris, what we've seen is that Ohio's constitution is just constantly uh, undergoing these upheavals. The United States Constitution has had 27 amendments in 234 years. By contrast, the Ohio Constitution has been amended 172 times in counting. That says it all. Well, it really does. And this started 112 years ago, and it was a progressive movement at the time. It was actually started by Teddy Roosevelt, who uh, left the Republican Party and went with progressives. And he, he was moving around the country, his progressive movement, to uh, adopt this type of constitutional amendment process. It's been in place ever since. And But again, no one looked at it to the kind of uh, mess it was creating in Ohio. When we go back a few years of the casinos, four casinos with actual addresses of where they're going to be located. And then because the address wasn't correct in one in Columbus, it had to be a, a change. They went back with a constitutional amendment uh, to change the location of the uh, address of the casino. It was, it's ridiculous. And you know our original constitution forbade uh, the lottery and gambling, okay? But then uh, they went ahead and, and for 20 years, we actually stopped them from gambling. I mean, look, as a pastor, counseling people over the years, gambling is a is a scourge and it's terrible. And, you know, we didn't want to see it in the state of Ohio. And they kept pushing and pushing and pushing. Uh, and they found a way through early voting to get it up over the top, out of, actually out of Coga County, 
with early uh, voting ballots. The, the ballots cast on Election Day actually defeated that issue, but the early voting gave them what they needed to put uh, casinos over the top. We've had it ever since. Uh, it's not good. It's you know, it's funny. Every a gambling ad says, and if you have a problem, well, the pre- presumption is people do have problems. And I've seen the terrible effect it has on someone in a family who has an addiction or gambling problem, and then what kind of problem that is for the family and the children and everybody else. So, no, it was not good policy. It shouldn't have been put in our Constitution. And that's just one example. And the last thing we want to see is abortion on demand. This is a pro-life state. This is a state that's passed uh, uh, pro-life provisions over the years, time and again, each General Assembly, uh, with it, whether it's adoption expansion, whether it's uh, uh, restriction or limiting abortion on demand, uh, banning the uh, partial birth abortion when Americans finally figured what that was, okay, and they, they were aghast by it. And so that was over 20-some years ago we did that. I don't know how all that, folks, will be wiped out if these folks in November are able to pass a uh, constitutional amendment to put abortion on the ban- demand on the ballot here in Ohio, and it gets passage uh, at 51 percent. Uh, that was what they were looking at until the legislature acted and said, you know what, it's time to safeguard Ohio's constitution. And I fully agree. The Ohio Christian Alliance fully supports issue one on the August 8th ballot. We urge you to get your family and friends to vote yes on issue one, August 8th. Now, Representative, it's important for people when you think about August, they may be on vacation, so make sure that you get an absentee ballot and vote absentee. Uh, but we want uh, our folks to get out there and vote and weigh in on issue one, don't we? We absolutely do. I mean, if the numbers are there, right? I mean, this is a state that um, you know, President Trump carried handily twice. If our folks turn out, uh, this, this amendment will pass. And frankly, you know, this this Protecting our Constitution polled well with independents, uh, polled well with soft Democrats. So, you know, we we expect there to be a, a robust campaign, and we need everybody to to show up and vote. I, I'm glad you said it. Um, whether you like it or not, there is about there's essentially a month that you get to vote <laughs> in Ohio, and uh, over the summer, take advantage of that. Right? Let's make sure that if you're going to be on vacation in August, that you vote in July. And uh, let's not uh, have anybody wake up on August 9th and say, oh, I, I, I didn't realize there was an election. That's exactly right. Well, Representative, thank you for being my guest today. Again, uh, State Representative Brian Stewart, he will be with us on June 22nd at the annual Freedom Banquet. That's Thursday, June 22nd at the Akron Fairlawn Hilton. Also, State Treasurer Robert Sprague and other special guests. Uh, We'd love for you to be with us at the Patriotic Evening. We'll be talking about this issue and getting the vote out. Again, that's Thursday, June 22nd at the Ohio Christian Alliance Annual Freedom Banquet at the Akron Fairlawn Hilton. We have a great dinner. We have a great time of uh, fellowship. There'll be a a 6 p.m. reception, and you can register for it at our website at ohioca.org. Thank you, Representative. We'll see you on uh, Thursday, June 22nd. My pleasure. Thanks, Chris. Thank you so much. And if you missed any of today's program, you can hear it in its entirety at our website at ohioca.org. Also, you'll want to look at some of the other information that we have there. Uh, of course, there is the uh, ju- uh, basic judicial cases that are pending, Ohio's heartbeat law. There's a quick link to that. And, of course, the abortion ballot language. Uh, then you can see how terrible it is also on our website at ohioca.org. And our statement 
in response to that. But again, it's all about getting out August 8th, voting yes on issue one. Thanks for listening. Be afraid. Be very afraid. There are those in Washington who want the IRS to take more of your hard-earned money. Are you tired of being the perpetual cash cow for every scheme, unreasonable program, and for all the fraud, waste, and abuse in our system? Well, good news. I can help. George Satari has almost 40 years of experience helping people like you keep more of what you make. It makes no sense that the more you make, the more they take. Let George help you keep your money away from the government bureaucratic waste and in your pocket. Call 216-651-1120 right now and schedule your free consultation today. Instead of a victim, you'll You'll be be the the victor. victor. With many success stories, George helps with tax planning, estate planning, financial and business analysis, and more. The new tax law has many ways to save money with retirement planning, accelerated depreciation, up to 20% exception of net earnings, and so much more. Call 216-651-1120. That's 216-651-1120. You earn it, we'll help you keep it. That's George Satari, CPA, 216-651-1120. In the Army National Guard, soldiers serve part-time and close to home. My community means everything to me. It helps shape me into who I am today and is where I choose to raise my own family. That's why I joined the Army National Guard. I'm proud of where I'm from. And as a soldier, I get to give back to the people that helped me succeed. The education benefits I got from serving helped me get my degree and jumpstart my career. The training and leadership skills I've gained from the Army National Guard help me every day when I teach young people, help my neighbors, and look out for my community. I know that when my neighbors need us the most, my fellow soldiers and I will be ready. My family loves it here, and my part-time service means we get to stay here. Serve part-time in the community you live in as a proud member of the Army National Guard. Talk to your local recruiter or visit NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Ohio Army National Guard. Aired by the Ohio Association of Broadcasters and this station. The following is a previously aired broadcast. Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined us. We're going to continue uh, our candidate Spotlight, and we're going to be talking about the U.S. Senate race that's coming up in 2024. And we're going to talk to one of the candidates that has already announced his intention to run for the U.S. Senate uh, race against Senator Sherrod Brown, who will be running for re-election. And we're going to be talking to his challenger on the phone in just a minute. But uh, breaking uh, this week is the Durham report came out, and this was the investigation of the collaboration of the FBI, the Justice Department, even members within the CIA uh, that were collaborating with the uh, fake dossier of the Russia, Russia, Russia uh, accusation that President Trump was collaborating with Russia. All of it was false. It was false information. It was put out by the Hillary Rodham Clinton 
campaign in 2016. Uh, Mr. Durham has been doing this investigation all this time, and just out of nowhere comes the the release of his report. I mean, no one was anticipating it. We were watching, uh, we watched the news wires very carefully as to what's happening in Washington, uh, what's happening uh, in the news and uh, out of Congress, and there was nothing, no indication whatsoever. Uh, In fact, uh, Mr. Durham it was last year sometime when he, he uh, delivered another one of his reports or went through some of the trials, uh, which uh, basically no one was convicted of anything, unfortunately. Of course, these are D.C. courts, folks, and you have to say that what's going on there is that uh, there's a lot of bias in all this. People are saying if some of these cases were taken out uh, into the Midwest, there will be different results to those uh, trials by jury, that's for sure, some of these corrupt politicians in Washington. We're going to talk to our uh, guest about that as he's running for uh, the U.S. Senate, and he's concerned about the same things that you and I are. But just uh, to talk about the Durham report, let's listen to this interview by former Congressman um, uh, Devin Nunes, who actually uh, was sitting on one of the committees investigating this just a few years ago. He's the one who had to deal with a lot of the lies that Adam Schiff, who was chairing that Judiciary Committee at the time, was putting forward that uh, President Trump had collusion with the Russians, all of it was baseless. This this report proves that, but at the end of the report, no one's going to jail. In fact, there's not even a referral for any criminal prosecution, which has a lot of people depressed today, because if we can't have equal justice under the law, that means that we're all equal under the law, and, uh, you know, then we've got a problem in this country. But let's listen to this interview that was on Newsmax television last night. It's been great to have you. Have you. Thanks for being uh, available at a moment's notice. You know, saying that the FBI launched the Russia collusion hoax with no proof, well, it, it's proof in my mind of how, how much our government has fallen. But also, here's, here's another aspect of this that's being reported. Durham finds DOJ and the FBI failed to uphold its mission of strict fidelity to the law in the Trump-Russia probe. You know what I'm not hearing, Congressman? I'm not hearing about any consequences for their breaking the law. Are you? No, and look, uh, Chris, this is just breaking now, and you know, it's an over 300-page report. And you know, one of the things that we need to do is, and I need to do as somebody who worked on this for many years, is I need to go and read that report. And you know, so far, it looks like there is a lot of, it's brought a lot of clarity to some issues just in my first read of it. But you've asked this, you're focusing on the right thing, and that is, who's going to pay a price? And the answer is, no one's going to pay a price. But that was always the case. I think I had said this this earlier this year, that the longer Durham was there, the better it was. Hopefully, Durham could, could get as much as he could in this report. But here's the thing. At the end of the day, the Biden administration controls what Durham does. And, you know, until... Durham speaks. Uh, it was. It's you know we're not going to know. You know, did he make these decisions or did someone pressure him? But it was always kind of a head scratcher when they brought these, you know, brought these indictments that were they into Washington D.C. and really Durham put the FBI on and the DOJ on trial there. So I take this from my early just perusing of the. Of the, of the report, and that is that the Department of Justice and the FBI are solely owned by the Democratic Party and their propaganda machine. And this Durham report mm-hmm. ought to scare the living hell out of everyone, because think about this, 
it's only gotten worse since this time period. We're talking about 2016 and 2017 and 2018. This changed the course of human history. It changed the course of our elections. Remember, we had to sit through year after year after year of this nonsense of Trump and Republicans having something to do with Russia. Chris, even to this day, you have lunatics that say that every single day. So the Department of Justice, the FBI, congratulations, you scumbags. You have successfully poisoned the minds of millions of Americans, while at the same time, you're going to have half of America, including myself, who doesn't trust anything the Department of Justice or the FBI have to say. That was an interview with uh, Devin Nunes, who served on the Judiciary Committee during when all this accusation was coming out against President Trump in the early days of the Trump administration, accusing him of colluding with Russia. And all of it was just to derail the Trump presidency. First of all, it was a very uh, uh, nasty Hillary Clinton who was upset that she lost the election, couldn't believe it, stunned that she had lost. Uh, couldn't believe that everybody didn't love Hillary Clinton. <laughs> Lots of people wanted to see her behind bars for the crimes that she committed. Uh, but then uh, she set this time bomb to go off. And listen to this, folks. She was able to uh, convince the FBI, officials in the FBI, the Justice Department, the CIA. I mean, I'm going to talk to Bernie Marino, who is our guest today, who's running for the U.S. Senate. Uh, Bernie, this is just out. I mean, it's unbelievable to hear this. Uh, I wish that this had never happened in our country, but it has, and we have to do deal with it because the price for uh, freedom is is eternal liberty, is vigilance. Uh, Chris, we have to pray for our country. Uh, I think it's the headline. We have to really, really pray for this country. Uh, you read something like this, it's it's uh, equally parts maddening, saddening, worrying. Uh, we live in a, in a representative democracy. We live in this great republic, the greatest country on earth, a country that is really a gift from God to us to say, hey, can you uh, be self-governed? Can you be a nation of laws? And you look at what's gone on over the last six, seven years, and uh, it makes you pause. And it's, it's why, Chris, I'm doing this. I've had this great life that I built for myself in America, a place I could only have done it here and nowhere else. And you wonder, you know, why would you put yourself through this political process and uh, put your life on hold, put your life through a blender? And everything that you just said is the reason why. Because if we don't stand up and fight for this country, uh, we're one election away. This last election is our last and only chance to get our country back. Uh, the other conclusion is the left cannot be trusted to hold power. Uh, they, they can't manage power. Uh, they, they overdo it. They overplay their hand. Uh, they don't know how to equalize uh, what the right thing is. Once they have power, they want more, and they can't get rid of it. We're talking with Bernie Marino. He is a candidate for the U.S. Senate in 2024. Uh, that is the seat currently held by Sherrod Brown, uh, the Democrat. But many say that that seat is very much uh, up for grabs. Uh, as we go into the year 2024, things are not looking well for the Democrats and because of all the corruption that is coming out. You know, Bernie, at the same time, Merrick Garland, the current attorney general, uh, Joe Biden's attorney general, just uh, told the IRS to basically 
bug off of the investigation they were doing on Hunter Biden, the president's son, who was using all these, uh, basically committing crimes and and uh, tax evasion and laundering of money, and basically the Attorney General of the United States uh, released the IRS team that was investigating it. I mean, this this is un- unbelievable what we're seeing happen here. Yeah, I mean, we have to give uh, Mitch McConnell a little credit here because that man could have been a member of the Supreme Court, right? Imagine if that ha- that that person, Merrick Garland, had been confirmed to be a lifetime appointee in the United States Supreme Court. Wow, did we dodge a bullet there. I mean, they, they, like I said earlier, the left can't be trusted to hold power. Uh, they, they aren't able to uh, restrain themselves. We saw that during COVID in places like California and Michigan and uh, New York, where they just, they can't, they, they, they don't know what to do with power. They, they have this urgent desire to control other people's lives and to build government to the point where government is so big that people become small. And uh, what I worry about, Chris, is what, what are the things that we don't know? I mean, these are the things, you know, we thank God we had an investigation like Durham, right? But what are the things that we don't know that uh, this, this, uh, uh, these, these administrative state people, people in law enforcement capacities, taxpayer-funded salaries, all of them, by the way, uh, what do they do that we don't know? It's not, it's not a pretty picture. It means uh, what I've been saying a lo- uh, for a while now, Chris, is that we need total and complete reform in Washington, D.C., the entire place needs to be reimagined. Uh, we can't just go to Washington, D.C. to tweak. Uh, you know, one of the things that uh, I say about my opponent in this primary, Matt Dolan, is he's a nice man, but we can't have any more nice people go down to D.C. who want to go there and tweak here, tweak there. Uh, we have to completely gut Washington, D.C., revolutionize it, and start over because the system is just completely, completely broken. Well, that's right. Uh, we look at James Comey, who was the director of the FBI at the time, who committed perjury before Congress. People have gone to jail for that. I mean, that's a federal crime. Uh, he's not being held accountable. Uh, Christopher Wray, uh, uh, Peter Strzok, who was uh, fired from the FBI in disgrace, but he never faced any jail time uh, for the, the acts that he committed in, sinisterly in the FBI. Hopefully, when we get a new attorney general, if we get the presidency in 2024, uh, we can pursue these people because they need to face the law the same way as everyone else does in this representative form of government. We cannot have two levels of law in this country as we do currently. Uh, We're talking with Bernie Marino. He is a candidate for the U.S. Senate. He's going to be running in the Republican primary. And then if he wins the Republican primary, he'll be running against, it looks like Sherrod Brown will be running for re-election, the liberal Democrat that's been in uh, uh, the Ohio uh, U.S. Senate for several terms. Uh, Let's talk about your Democratic opponent, Sherrod Brown. Uh, he really owns all this with the Biden administration, uh, what's happening at the southern border. Uh, we have an invasion going on. Uh, these are people we don't know uh, who are coming into this country. Uh, it presents a risk. Crime on the inner cities is on the uprise, and a lot of these people are illegals that are committing uh, these heinous acts uh, that are coming across the border. Not all of them, of course, but yet uh, there's a process to become a, a citizen of the United States. We're asking people to come in the front door, not the back door. Your thoughts on the border situation that's at a crisis level right now, Bernie? No, absolutely. You know, as you know, Chris, I came in the legal way myself when I was a kid with my five brothers, my sister, my mom and dad. We came in the legal way. 
uh, it's a process. It's not, it's not something simple. There are standards. The standards should be raised, by the way. Uh, Biden is unfortunately lowering the standards. He's removing the citizenship uh, test uh, uh, standards in terms of the, the, uh, the English requirement and the civics requirement. We should be raising those standards. But when somebody follows a process that's arduous and then watches others uh, get rewarded for violating that same process, it's obviously extremely insulting. Uh, the reality is we don't know who's coming into our country. We don't know where they're going. We don't know their intent. Uh, we do know the numbers are staggering. It's basically half the population of Ohio that's come over across our border in the last two and a half years. Uh, numbers that are almost impossible to wrap your head around. I lived in Boston uh, in uh, September of 2000 when the plane left, the two planes left uh, Logan Airport, crashed into the World Trade Center. That was 20 hostages that caused those four planes uh, that, that uh, went down to two the, from Boston, the other two. Those are 20 people. This is 5.3 million people, of which well over a million of them are gotaways that we never even interacted with. We have no idea who they are at all. And uh, the, the national security threat that that poses is crazy. We, the, the drug cartels are getting enriched to a point where they're going to be, if not already, more powerful than the Mexican government. So we're going to have basically a narco state at our border. Uh, we have to declare the drug cartels what they are, which is a foreign terrorist organization. Uh, those drug cartels, with the help of China, are causing and have caused more deaths of American citizens than every other conflict since World War II combined. Uh, we've lost our, our, our young uh, to fentanyl overdoses, all thanks to the Mexican drug cartels. Uh, we're giving them, we've given them complete operational control of our border. Those aren't my words, Chris. That's Biden's border people saying that now. Think about that. His people are saying that the operational control of the United States uh, uh, border with Mexico is under the control of Mexican drug cartels. Not elected officials, not the people who you vote for, Mexican drug cartels. So if we don't wipe them off the face of the earth and get this border under control real quick, uh, we could have, we're already done uh, enormous damage to the country. Biden has already done that. And by the way, Sherrod Brown owns that. Sherrod Brown, not too many months ago, said that uh, basically, the uh, border problem is a right-wing conspiracy theory. Uh, you know, it, it, the guy's insanely out of touch. He's been lockstep with Joe Biden 99% of the time. He's not somebody who represents Ohio's values. He's dramatically more radical than where Ohio is. Ohio is a center-right state. He's a very, very hard-left uh, uh, extremist. And we'll expose that, Chris, and that's how we're going to win this race. We're talking with Bernard Marino. He is a candidate for the U.S. Senate in the 2024 Republican primary. Bernie, these are fixable problems. Uh, if a president administration was proactive uh, to put the military on the southern border, we saw where State Highway Patrol uh, Texas Rangers were on the border with uh, a border patrol. They were at some of the points of entry where these illegals were massing. They were able to stem some of that during the weekend. We were able to hold them. Uh, they put up some barbed wire, uh, and then they also they stood on the line and basically said, this is not a, an entry point. Please go down to the entry point. And these were people trying to cross the river and uh, into the uh, wilderness area of Texas. Uh, this can be done, but it takes willpower. Uh, we, you know, the, the situation with China right now, uh, moving around the world, basically making trade agreements, putting uh, our economic uh, status uh, at risk and the U.S. dollar uh, in jeopardy as well. 
I'm going to have you speak to that because that's another big problem that you'll be facing as a U.S. senator. What's happening with the U.S. dollar and what's happening with China uh, basically uh, making agreements in the Middle East and also uh, in South America? What's your thoughts about China? Well, China is our, our greatest uh, geopolitical, strategic, and national security enemy. There's no even question about that. I, I believe we're actually at war with China now. It's just not the traditional kind of war that we would expect to see in the movies. But they're shipping their chemicals to Mexico. They know what they're doing. They know what those chemicals are for. Uh, they know that those chemicals are coming in to kill our youth. Uh, they sent us digital digital uh, crack, which is what I call TikTok, uh, what it's doing to our young kids. They know that that's all on purpose. Uh, they track the data of our youngsters. They know what they're seeing and affecting uh, their lives that way. They, they also uh, are building up alliances all over the world, especially in my former country uh, neighborhood. South America, you have, uh, there used to be something called the Monroe Doctrine, which said, hey, listen, basically the Western Hemisphere, uh, we're going to protect, and we won't let any uh, socialist, communist influence come to the Western Hemisphere. Well, guess what? Virtually every country in Central and South America is now under socialist or communist rule, including my former country of Colombia, which is now run by a complete psychotic uh, socialist. And And the three countries that are left that haven't completely gone socialist, the Biden administration uh, is turning their, uh, his back on them, on those countries, and leaving them out to lurch. Uh, so Biden is so insanely weak. I think he's actually compromised by the Chinese. I think that's relatively obvious. Uh, some people would call it a conspiracy theory, but uh, that's what they said about Russia, Russia, Russia. Uh, so I think we 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 can't get out. We can't get Biden out soon enough. But it's not just enough to, to get the White House back. We have to get control of the United States Senate. That control of the Senate runs through Ohio. If I win the Senate race, when I win the Senate race and take out Sherrod Brown, retire him after almost 50 years of elected office, uh, we will have control of the United States Senate. It's, it's going to be up to Ohio voters to make that decision. And it's that responsibility that Ohio had in 2018. Uh, but we missed it there. Uh, we let Sherrod Brown get reelected. And sure enough, President Trump had to deal with a 51-49 Democrat-controlled Schumer-run Senate for the last two years of his administration, and we can't let that happen again. When we talk about China, we think about businesses that are still producing uh, their goods in China to resell here in the United States. A lot of American manufacturing still using China labor. Uh, we have a problem with uh, China being and the supply chain, uh, and of course their threat against uh, Taiwan is very serious. But uh, what would you do to encourage American manufacturing to come back uh, to to uh, um, the shores of America so that we're not dependent on the supply chain from uh, China? Well, I don't, as you know, a business guy my whole life, I know what business people respond to. They want things to be uh, a government that gets out of their way, uh, provides uh, incentives for investing in, in businesses to create growth and opportunity for American workers. Uh, we we have to get rid of all electric car mandates. It can meet, to me, job one, get in, get in D.C. in 2025 or on the topic that we're talking about right now, is eliminate all these government incentives for electric vehicles. That's a huge giveaway to China. Uh, peel back every bit of the Inflation Reduction Act. Uh, all of these subsidies uh, for solar panels, which, by the way, <laughs> just this week, Chris, uh, the Biden administration is saying, well, uh, these incentives were for American companies to build solar panels here, but we're going to allow for the next two years 
for those incentives to be given to Chinese companies. Oh my! You can't even make this stuff. You can't even make this stuff up. It's totally incredibly insane. Uh, at the end of the day, Chris, the government is doing too much. Uh, we need to get back to our philosophical roots, which is we need a smaller government. We need to let the markets work. We need to make certain that we put the people and markets at the, at the foundation of everything we do. We need to massively shrink the size and scale of the federal government and get government intervention out of as many places as possible. We're talking with Bernie Marino. He is a candidate for the U.S. Senate uh, for the 2024 uh, Republican primary. Uh, when is that primary in 2024, Bernie? It's almost exactly nine months from right now, nine months from today. Uh, when early voting starts. It's March 19th of next year. Uh, we need as many people to uh, get, get behind me as possible. We want to build a strong grassroots campaign. Uh, Chris, they can go on my website, Bernie Marino, M-O-R-E-N-O.com. Uh, if they could contribute $5, $10, $15, anything is meaningful. We really need to build a strong grassroots organization throughout uh, Ohio. We're doing that. Uh, we've had great reception. I've, I've had events in 40 different counties, been at 20 Lincoln Day dinners. Uh, my wife, Bridget, and I are working really, really hard. This is what we do from 7 a.m. to 11 o'clock every night, seven days a week. Uh, we're in this race to win it. We will. That's BernieMarino.com to learn more about the positions that uh, Bernie has taken on the issues. And as he's uh, moving around Ohio, just as you've heard, uh, you'll be speaking at, uh, as you say, a number of Lincoln Day dinners, which you've already been at. There'll be other events that you'll be at. Uh, we'll be hosting some uh, luncheons and some dinners as well as we head into the August special election and the fall election this year. And uh, we're going to have Bernie there as well as other candidates. Uh Bernie, again, uh, thank you for being my guest today. Uh, what's your uh, plans here in the next week or two out on the, out on the campaign trail? We're going to continue to work hard. Uh, we are in Columbus today, uh, Cincinnati on, uh, on Thursday, Dayton on Friday, and then back up to Toledo on Saturday, back to Columbus on Sunday. So we're traveling the state. Just spent a couple of days in Marietta and Athens yesterday. You know, I can tell you and your listeners, Chris, uh, uh, be hopeful, be optimistic. Uh, pray for our country, pray for our state. Uh, we will get through this. We're going to get through it together by working really, really hard and staying laser focused. Uh, but we will get our country back. I want your viewers and your listeners to really remain optimistic because we've got a lot to be thankful for. Absolutely. And you can sign up for the emails for the campaign as well. That's a great way to stay up with the campaign. Again, that's at BernieMarino.com, and you can sign up for the email alerts. Bernie, thank you for being my guest today. Thank you. God bless you, my friend, and the Lord be with you as you uh, travel the state of Ohio, the great state of Ohio. Well, if you've missed any of today's program, you can hear it in its entirety at our website at ohioca.org. You can also visit us at Facebook. Just go to the Ohio Christian Alliance. It's a membership page, and uh, we'd like for you to follow us there as well. We're on Twitter as well. And, of course, uh, we'll be having events coming up in the near future. We'll be having some pastors' uh, policy briefings and our annual Freedom Banquet we're going to announce very shortly. Thank you for listening. Stand by. We're going to listen to Diane Stover talking to us about protecting Ohio's children. You have been listening to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. To learn more about the issues that matter most to you and your family, visit online at ohioca.org. That's ohioca.org. Thank you for listening. This program is sponsored by the Ohio Christian Alliance of Akron, Ohio.